What do we do when God is silent? Do we question that he missed the cue? Far too often, it's not God that is ever silent. It's us who have failed to listen. (laughs) I'm sorry for a last-minute illustration and making, I'm sure, the tech booth very nervous. Should we play the video again? Did he miss it? Is he asleep? (laughs) It's funny, it's the same things that At Mount Carmel, Elijah asked the prophets of Baal, is your God asleep? Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's indisposed or out of town. And friends, I want to remind you today that we serve a God who is always with us, ever listening and ready to lead us and to guide us, even when we feel He's silent. Sometimes out of the silence is the lesson we need to learn. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10, beginning in verse 9, rather. Isaiah chapter 55 My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always. If you do a deep study on the original languages of the word always, it means always. It always produces fruit. Now remember, this is God speaking through a prophet named Isaiah. And God says, it will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. My assignment here today is simply to be a vessel, a vehicle. For God to send his word through me unto you. And if God sends his word and it always accomplishes, always, always, always accomplishes everything that it was set out to accomplish, then what is the word set to accomplish? John chapter 1, in the beginning the word already existed, the word was with God and the word was God, he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except Through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. A few weeks ago, Hollywood came together to give awards away at an event called the Grammys. If you watched it, then you'll know immediately what I'm talking about. If you didn't watch it but heard about it, you probably still know that there was actually satanic worship that happened in the Grammys. An actual song, an actual ceremony that took place in this awards ceremony. And the devil tried to establish himself 
as God. And he's been trying to do that since the beginning of time, since he fell. You see, his sin, the devil's sin was pride because he thought he would become like God. You know, but the thing is, is the Grammys happened and then right after that happened and certainly many people watched it and there was a few thousand people that were there that day. But the very next week, something happened on a college campus named Asbury. Because the devil wants to show out. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is ever reminding us who's really in charge. Because the very Hollywood, the very music, the very entertainment industry that works so hard, and if, you're, if you don't think this is true, then you simply have your head in the sand, that works so hard to steal the youth of our nation. See, this is why we have depression at levels we've never seen before. This is why at one of our very own universities in North Carolina, another suicide took place this past week. One of our very own high schools, a suicide took place this past week. Why? Because the devil is trying to do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy the youth of our nation. And the Spirit of God is saying that the light has stepped into the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. That the Word who is Jesus Christ, our Lord, is more powerful than anything the enemy tries to do. Friends, there's a spiritual battle going on. And we are on the side of victor. Because what happened in that one university that is still going on and tens of thousands of people are being changed. What happened in that one university has now spread to many others. And there's a hunger in the land. <laughs> and when there's a hunger in the land, the Bible says that when those hunger and thirst after righteousness sake, that they will be what? Satisfied. The voice of the Lord is everlasting. That the word will accomplish all that he wants it to. Today I preach a message out of Exodus that's titled Israel Rises, but it's certainly is going to be what I believe less about historical Israel and more about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. You see, the Lord showed me some things looking at this story this time around that I've never seen before, as is his practice. And I can't wait to share it with you. But before I get into that, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. As is typical or as is our practice, sometimes we have altar calls or we have response times at the end of the sermon and sometimes even during worship. But I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond in just a moment to a question. The name Israel is a nation, but before it was a nation, it was a man named Jacob that God changed his name. The word Israel, the name Israel, means struggles with God. All of humanity, because of the original sin in the Garden of Eden, finds themselves in a struggle with God. And at some point, a decision has to be made. Either we keep struggling with God, 
or we allow him to be in charge. <laughs> and Israel, in their history, made decisions to allow him to be in charge, but it didn't take long for them to forget God's goodness again and then to follow after idols and sin and struggle with God again. So today, I want to give you an opportunity, an opportunity that will change your eternal trajectory. Because in Egypt, where the Israelites were going to learn were delivered, they were in slavery for hundreds of years there. In Egypt, as they left, the Bible tells us that in Exodus chapter 11, verse 38, a rabble of non-Israelites went with them. A rabble of non-Israelites with, with them. What is a rabble? A rabble is a group of people that are very diverse, different ethnicities, different races, different statuses in Egypt. There could, have, there could have been rich and poor and all over the map, but there was a group of people that when Israel left Egypt, they said, we don't want to stay here. We want to go with you. Your God is the true God, and we want to go where he leads. You see, the thing is the Rabble was what we see in the scriptures, the first reach across the aisle, even before Israel became a nation of prominence and blessing, even before they experienced God on Mount Sinai and the structure, even before the worship of the tabernacle was set, even before all of that. God was making room for the Gentiles, the rabble. Most of us, if we were to acknowledge that what the Scripture says is we're, we're the rabble. Almost all of us are not Jewish by birth, but God made room for you. So the rabble went with the Israelites and Going a few verses later, we find this awesome thing happening. And God says, if there are foreigners among you who want to celebrate the Lord's Passover, let all their males be circumcised. And what God is saying is, if the rabble wants to worship me, if the rabble wants me to be their God, then they have to also follow the rules of the covenant that I've established they have to take on the identity of being submitted to him. This is happening in Exodus. This is happening before they even have a king or a nation to speak of. This is happening before they have a promised land. And in Romans chapter 2, the reason that it's important for me and you today is if the rabble could become as a member of the nation of Israel through walking through this mark of the covenant, the circumcision, then what is the response for us today to become followers of the Lord God, to become sons and daughters of the Father, to become people who follow Jesus as our Lord and our King. Romans chapter 2, Paul says, true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Friend, you can't be good enough ever. Rather, it is a change of the heart produced by God's Spirit. So I'm going to pause for just a minute because I believe that the Lord wants to minister to everyone in here today at a common ground. And so what I want to do is invite you. You may be here today and you've never once experienced a relationship with God.
This may all be new to you. But let me tell you something. The, the great thing about salvation, the great thing about following Jesus, the great thing about making God the Lord of your life and, and submitting to him, the great thing about all that is twofold. Number one, it's simple enough for you to do in a moment to acknowledge him as the Lord and Savior. The, the Bible says to confess him with your mouth, to believe on him with your heart, and you'll be saved. The second thing is, and this is also a good thing, is you can't ever understand it. That's why it requires faith. Faith. Everybody in here sitting in a chair. When you plopped down in that nice cushiony chair, you had faith that it wouldn't drop you. Amen? Man, you, you have faith in chairs. Your faith is immense in the chairs that you sit in throughout the day. I wonder if just a measure of your faith could be applied right now to the creator of it all. To say that I don't need to understand it, but I want to believe and I want to accept. So would you bow your heads for just a moment? I'm going to do this in the middle of the sermon because the rest of what I'm sharing with you, I really want it to resonate. And the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit teaches us. And so while your heads are bowed, I want you to consider, ask yourself, do you have a relationship with God? Just ponder for just a moment. Have you ever committed to live for him? And just so you know, as you're pondering this question, there's no pressure from me here. But as you're pondering this question, if I could be so bold to say right now in your spirit, in your insides, <laughs> if that question is a no, then you're beginning to feel some kind of way. There's butterflies, there's nervousness. Can I tell you that that is the supernatural calling that God is saying, come unto me. I will receive you and love you with open arms. And because Greater Life Church is a family, then we're going to walk this out with you. At the end of our service, I'm going to want you to be able to fill out that card in the front of that chair right in front of you. I want you to write down that you gave your heart to Christ today so we can follow up with you. But I believe it's appropriate now that we all pray this prayer together as a family. And if your decision today is to follow Christ and you're saying, man, I've never done this before. I thought this stuff happened at the end of service. I was gonna be able to get up and, and slide out when all this started happening. And then guess what? God had other plans. And so let's pray together. And friend, if, if you're gonna make a decision to follow Christ, then all you have to do is believe it with all of your heart. Church, just Pray with me. Just follow along with me here. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes, and I'm sorry. Today, I choose to believe upon you, Lord Jesus, to believe that you can save me. <laughs> I confess my sin and I ask for forgiveness. And today, I choose to follow you the rest of my life. I don't fully understand it, but I commit my life to learning more about it. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for bringing me here for stirring my heart, I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I think that was really cool, and I'll tell you why, because I believe that there were some of you that made that decision just now for the first time. And I can't wait to hear the testimonies that follow. <laughs> Wow.
Now that you're a part of the family of God, let me tell you a story. It's a story in Exodus chapter 13. I'm going to begin today in verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route for the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. As we've discovered in this series that Israel was in slavery to Egypt for hundreds of years, God sent some different plagues to Pharaoh upon Egypt, where Pharaoh finally gave in and said, okay, you can go. And God had a land that he had promised them that he was bringing them to. But here's what's important here for us to learn is that God didn't take them straight to it on the main road. He took them on a roundabout way. Now, I know I've been around this area for all my life, but more specifically in about ten, the past 10 years. I remember down the road when we were meeting in the storefront just down here next to Food Lion. I remember signing a lease on that storefront. And then when we signed the lease on that storefront, we learned that they were putting the roundabout in. You guys remember when the roundabout was new? And I remember thinking, this is an attack of the enemy. People can't turn left to come into the church anymore. And then I remember the experiences of people that don't know how roundabouts work <laughs> because we're not British. But it did not take long for us to learn how a roundabouts work. And I can tell you, because I remember how that intersection used to be, that I, for one, am thankful for the roundabout. Because when I can't turn left, I just go to the roundabout. But it is a longer journey. It is a roundabout way. It has been proven to be safer. It has been studied, that's why they put it there. There's less accidents at the roundabout. Now, God is bringing Israel to the promised land, and while they left Egypt like an army, say like an army. Now, I want you to understand that even though it was like an army, doesn't mean that they were an army. Two million of them, two million. I know that in Matthews, I, I think there's a couple hundred thousand people, and, and I know that in Mint Hill, it's, it's like 40 or 50,000. I'm not sure what the numbers are today, but they've changed over the years. But I know two million people is a bunch of people. It's probably about the same amount of people that are at Costco on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> we can all relate to that. But at the end of the day, only God could take a couple million people and bring them in a roundabout and still accomplish what he wants to accomplish. You see, the thing what God was doing is he was keeping them from going back to Egypt. Now, you got to catch this. There's nowhere in Scripture that it promises that we won't have any problems. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us that there is no temptation such as common to man. There's nothing that we face in temptation that God won't provide a way out. So when we're tempted, that when we face things, when we're tempted, God always provides a way out. 
Sometimes we fooled ourselves to say that we can't break that addiction. We can't, we can't apologize to our spouse. We can't raise that honorary kid who's probably about 13 or 14 years old. We just can't do it. Yet, God is wanting us to be reminded that if He did it for Israel, a couple of million strong, He can take care of you too. But there are times where it feels like, God, isn't it a more direct route for me just to go from point A to point B? But what happens is, at point A and a half, there's an attack coming that we're not ready to handle. So he knows how to keep you not only on the right path, but how to keep you from turning back to your captivity. See, that's what Egypt is, bondage. And they began to feel, we're gonna see over these next few weeks, they were constantly saying, man, at least in Egypt, we were this, we were that, we had this, we had that. Guys, they were foolish enough to believe that in bondage it was better. And I'm telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell today. That it's better in bondage than it is to be free with the Lord. We keep going on in verse 20 now. The Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Etham in the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove, say did not remove, the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. John 16, 13, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will guide you in truth. I can tell you that the promises of the Scriptures are not only true, but they will come to pass. That the God of Israel can be your God today. That the Spirit of the Lord was leading them through this manifestation. Is it okay for us to seek God for a manifestation of His, of his presence? Yes. We, sometimes we get too far away from it and we say, well, we shouldn't seek manifestation, uh, manifestation of His presence. Well, I'm seeking him. Manifest yourself, oh God. Show us who you are. The cool thing about this passage is he didn't abandon them. Day and night. When you add day and you add night, what you get is 24 hours. Are you with me? So even in your midnight terrors, even in your lonely times when you feel like nobody is there for you anymore. He is. He is. <laughs> Here's the coolest thing about it. You see, in this passage, in the Old Testament, there was this process where they had to go through the high priest and the high priest would on their behalf go to God and there was this big long process and it worked and it was God's way in the Old Testament because I tell you that today, all we have to do is speak and he will hear. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think, I don't think, well, I, I often forget sometimes how cool that is that I can just say, Lord, and he goes, yes. <laughs> well, what about, what about the crazy people that are in the other side of the world and they're crying out to God and, and they're all crying out to God. But every time we think that God can't hear us or God has forgotten us, then we're limiting God and God is not one you can put in a box. He don't fit there. Lord, yes. <laughs> even when I make mistakes and even when I feel like I've, I've let him down again and again, well, God certainly don't want to hear from me because I disappointed him. Can I tell you, he's a father. Yeah. 
He's the father. And can I tell you, I, I, I got a text yesterday from my son. And when my, when my daughters call me, one of the things they tell me is, Dad, I like the fact that when I call you, you answer the phone. Doggone right, I'm going to answer the phone. Unless I don't have signal in this building and that happens. <laughs> Father? Yeah. I know I let you down. Yeah, I know. It's me again. <laughs> My dad died over 10 years ago now. And the thing I've always missed the most is the phone call. It was the first one I would call when I had questions. He was a pastor. But more than that, he was my father. But can I tell you that God's healed me and now I, I call him Heavenly Father. <laughs> can I tell you there's always a signal? <laughs> hmm. I'm going to skip ahead to Verse 15, chapter 14, verse 15. Chapter 14, verse 15 of Exodus. To tell you what happened in between this part, quickly, the Israelites were sent in a roundabout way and God plopped them down in front of the Red Sea. You know, and let me just address something that sometimes... There's a whole lot of content out there on the internet and in different areas to make you doubt God. And one of the things that I think the History Channel, Discovery Channel, somebody uh, talked about how the Red Sea wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. And the Reed Sea was only about six inches of water. And they've been this, this whole presentation about how the, the scriptures, the, the Israel could just walk across it. There's no big deal. But then what they forget is how did the Egyptian army drown in six inches of water? Right? How can they find, you can find there's evidence at the bottom of the Red Sea of chariots in the middle of the water. I, I just say that to help you understand that this is true. And if any part of this is true, then all of it's true. Amen? Come on. So let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you what the Lord showed me. He, he takes them to the Red Sea, and now they've got the Red Sea in front of them. They've got Egypt and Pharaoh and his army pressing down behind them because Egypt, uh, Israel marched out like an army, but they weren't an army. And, and, and so... The Egyptians knew that and they wanted to capture them and take them back to bondage or kill them in the process. I don't think it mattered to Pharaoh. In verse 15, verse 15, the verse numbers are always small. Anyway, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. In chapter 13 and chapter 14, through this whole process, what's interesting to me, and even in the plagues, often the word of the Lord is, I'm going to do this so Egypt sees that I am God, that I am the Lord. I'm going to do this so Egypt will notice that I am the one true God. I'm going to do this for Egypt. Why is he doing it for Egypt? 
Sometimes when we read through this narrative and through this story, we think, man, God is really mean to Egypt. But you know what he was doing is even then he was reaching his hand toward the Gentile, toward the Egyptian, that even you can know that I am God. That even then he's establishing that he's going to send his son for the whole world. He says, why are you crying out to me? Get moving. Now, verse 19 says, then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The angel of God. We read in another passage that the angel of God, who was with them, since they left Egypt. And in this passage, I went to studying and thinking about it, and I never saw it before this time, that what we find in the Old Testament is that the language here, angel of God, angel of the Lord, there's times where God says this angel, and then there's times where it's angel of God, angel of the Lord. And when it says angel of the Lord and angel of God, what that is is what we call a Christophany. It's an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Now, why is that important? Because as I'm reading through this, and I get how Moses is looking at a burning bush and he hears the voice of God through it, right? He hears the voice of God through it. And then I begin to consider that all the way through there, it says, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, And I I read through that and I I keep thinking, how is the Lord saying to Moses? And how is Moses not getting it wrong? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of God clearly. Because the clutter that's in our mind and the doubt that's in our heart. And then the Lord revealed something to me. And maybe this is just truth for me. But I believe that at the front of these millions of people standing at the Red Sea, Moses is having a conversation with Christ, the angel of God. And Christ is saying, hey, listen, why are y'all, why are y'all complaining? Get up, get moving, Take that staff that I gave you already. Remember the burning bush? I gave you that staff and I showed you how to use it. Take that staff, part the sea, and let's get moving on with the plan. He's having a conversation with God. And then the angel of God moves from the front to the back. Moses, you got it up here. Go ahead and take care of these things. I'm gonna go back here and make sure these Egyptians know you will not cross this line. (laughs) I love it. And we see the angel of God and we see the pillar of cloud, which is a manifestation. And we see later that there's a cloud on Mount Sinai and we see a cloud that that is bringing rain that Elijah sees in the distance. We see these manifestations of God, but here we see Jesus the angel of God, and then we see the manifestation of the presence of God. And then the third thing we see in this story that I never saw before was the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So it says, then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel, he'd been with them, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. You know, I think I remember even in this own sermon, reading something about the light coming into the darkness and the darkness not being able to overtake it. That's good, preacher. Thank you. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night, but the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong wind. 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 The wind in Scripture 
is the Holy Spirit. And the wind, I actually did a study on it one night. I thought it'd be cool to discover where does the wind come from? And if you read, uh, as Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, you read, he talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, it's like the wind. No one knows where it comes from or where it goes or how. It's just there. So Jesus connects the wind to the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, it says there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then in Genesis, it says that the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. How is that? Because there's a wind, there's a presence that cannot be contained or controlled. There's a wind that God wants to blow over your life and in this room. We also find that Jesus is talking to his disciples in John chapter 16, I believe it is. And Jesus tells his disciples, he's been resurrected. It's after the cross and, and the Bible says he blows on them. He breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says. You see, because before that, they were still in the Old Testament ways. But now, what he said in John chapter 3, now they could be born again and born of the Spirit. So they were. And then, just the next time that Jesus is with them, he says, now that you've received that, there's more. <laughs> Go to Jerusalem and pray and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you. Jesus brought them the Spirit upon salvation and then told them there's more. There's another work. There's more Spirit. Jesus himself experienced it as he went into the wilderness. The Bible says full of the Holy Spirit, but when he came out of the wilderness, the Bible says he was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's two things happening here. So in the book of Exodus, I never saw it before, and now I see it, and I can't run from it, and I can't escape it. That that spirit, that that power is the power that split the sea, that made a way for escape. Can I tell you that the Scripture teaches us in Acts chapter 19, Paul, the apostle, comes to these people, these men who were believers. They believed upon the Lord Jesus. They already had a relationship with him. And he said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. So he teaches them and lays his hands upon them. And the Bible says that they received the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. You know what I love about the Word of God is it, and, and, and even the relationship with the Lord that I have is that there's so many things that I'll never understand. Because as soon as I understand them, they stop being supernatural. As soon as I can understand them, they stop being supernatural. You know, because the whole word supernatural means that it's more than natural. It's beyond my understanding. I can't figure it out. But can I tell you, I feel, I sense, I need my worship team to come up. I sense that there may be some, there may be many. that you are in a place where Egypt, the enemy, the pursuer is behind you. And yet in front of you, all you see is obstacles of doubt. I can't, I, I can't get free. I can't move forward. There's no opportunity for me. There's no way that I can 
walk in healing. There's no way that I can walk in wholeness. There's no way that I can go through this week. There's no way. The only way that I can do it is, I can, the only way I can figure it out is to find means to cope. I'll just deal with it. I'll just figure out a way to tolerate my life. Can I tell you? The scripture says that Jesus came to this earth so that you may have life in abundance, greater life. You don't have to tolerate your life. Not one more day do you have to tolerate your life and just deal with it. Will you have problems? Yeah, man. But when I had problems, I would call my dad and I'd feel better after talking to my dad. Now when I have problems, I can just say, Father. Father, help me. I don't know what to do. And whatever obstacle it is, it pales in comparison to his power. And whatever gap you find in your heart and in your life, I serve a God that wants to fill you with his goodness and his joy and his peace. That even in the middle of problems, think about this. The Holy Spirit made a way through the Red Sea but it was Israel who had to walk through to get to the other side. Pastor, I've seen God do great things in my life, but there's still walls of water on each side. I don't know. I don't understand how that's happening. I don't understand how it's up there like that. It doesn't matter. That's where faith takes over. Amen. So I want to invite you. Prayer team's going to come. We're going to sing one song and then we're going to go home. I want to invite you. If you're here today and you've never received what I'm describing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit or an infilling of the Holy Spirit, if you're here like, I, I, I don't know, I'm not sure, chances are you have not received that. You haven't walked in that yet. If you need healing in your mind and in your body, if you need peace in a situation that, that you can't overcome, if you're here today and you've got depression all over you, then come and get free. Come and get free. If you'd like to come and pray with someone, you prayed that prayer halfway through the sermon and you wanna receive and pray with someone about that salvation experience, come, come up here. Listen, I, I, I'm not naive about this, trust me. But I'm telling you, this past week, I did two visits for prayer for healing, one in the hospital and one in the home. And in both instances, I went in to pray for God to heal of cancer and I walked out praying for that person to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they did. And in both instances, one in particular, I'm getting texts. I don't know what happened when you prayed for me, but I am not the same. I don't know what happened. I can't stop praying. I can't stop living in victory. I don't know what happened, but something changed in me. Telling you, leave your doubts out the door. Receive all that God has for you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. These precious people in this room today, <laughs> would you please touch us in a very special way? We, 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 you deserve all the time that we can give you, but for the next few minutes, please remove any doubt and do something amazing in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and pray right now. In your promises, my confidence is your faithfulness, and I will
all, would you stand? prison, the apostle, and he's in captivity, and it looked like, it looked like he was going to be killed, martyred, and, and the church was praying for a miracle, and an angel came and woke him up and walked him out of prison, and <laughs> the Bible says that he thought he was seeing a vision. He didn't realize 
it was really happening until the angel disappeared and he's out of prison completely free so, so I want I want to just leave this with you because I believe this is what the Lord wants to end with today I, I, I just I know I know deep down that there are some in here today that just cannot picture and imagine a scenario in which God could meet that need and move in that way and break that stronghold and work that miracle. <laughs> and what I want you to know is like Peter thought he was just dreaming, but it was really happening. That I want you to know that not only can God but I believe that in this moment, as I close us in prayer, that he'll remove any doubt that you have, that it ain't really happening, that God's going to keep his promise and he's going to work and move in your life. Somebody, somebody in here today has been praying for that, mm, that spouse at home. God, when are they gonna get it? When are they going to get it? And your doubt is because of the delay. Mm. Yeah, come on. Your doubt is because it didn't happen yet. So if it didn't happen yet, then it may not happen. <laughs> That's the roundabout. That's the roundabout. Because God's going to do it. And in the process... Not only will you give him praise, but you remember how I was saying God was working these miracles so even all of Egypt would know that he is God. Not only will you give him praise, but there's gonna be a whole lot of others that's gonna see it as well. So keep praying, keep believing. And you may be thinking and picturing it in your mind and like, this can't be real. Oh yeah, oh yeah. God is a real God who works real miracles in real time, amen. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. I come against the enemy of faith, which is doubt. And I pray that faith would rise in our hearts. That Lord, these things that we prayed for, believed for, that we would see them happen in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we close our service today, I, I ask you, God, to give us a spirit of thanksgiving and of praise that we will praise you as if it has already happened. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you praise him for the miracle that's coming? Hallelujah. Amen. I've got a couple of announcements before you go real quick. Uh, Grace is here behind me. She is starting a young marrieds class that will be meeting during our 9 a.m. service in a, in a classroom and also meeting on Wednesday evenings. So if you're here today, you're young married, if you think, I don't know if I'm young married, just ask yourself the question, are you old married or young married? You know, just figure that one out. Grace, based on Grace's reaction, you may be able to figure that out. Anyway, young marrieds class starting Sunday. And Wednesday, it's the same class offered two times. And we believe in marriages. We believe in you and God's gonna use that. Now, Friday evening, we also have our first Friday prayer meeting. It's gonna be awesome. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. Thanks.